Welcome everybody to Sharpen That Axe, a podcast dedicated to strengthening your skills as a guitar player. I'm Dylan Murphy. Uh, with me as always from beautiful Colorado, Colorado, is uh, John Gillen. John, how are yes. you? I'm, I'm doing all right. Doing all right here in co- co- Colorado Radio. What, what did you just Colorado. say? Colorado. Look it up. Um, <laughs> so yes, still like quarantining and everybody's like, have you heard of this thing called Zoom? And I'm like, we were using Zoom before it was cool. Yeah, exactly. How it's, Indian hipster of us. Cause this yes. Where's <laughs> my modest man's yeah, Now we don't have to explain. When we do our interviews over Zoom, we don't have to explain to people what it is. They're like, no one has to download it anymore. Everyone just has it. Speaking of interviews. Yes, we have a, uh, we, we have a very exciting interview today with um, Eric Haugen, who, uh, after me going through various attempts to destroy his name, name verbally um, including eric hagen as in hagen das um, mm, ice cream tasty. yeah tasty uh, uh we, we got it right so yeah very exciting interview with eric today uh he discussed we, we got through a lot i'd say it was one of those things where like we are running out of recording time because there is so much juicy content within this um charming interview I, i'm going to use the word adjective charming to describe eric yeah he was fantastic really enjoyed it so we'll talk more about that as we get closer to it, but really excited to have him on the show and hopefully we'll have him again in the near future. So, Exactly. So John, it is my turn for Lick of the Week. Uh, new listeners to the show, every, uh, every second, you know, every episode, one of us, we take turns uh, to pick a song with a particular guitar line slash riff slash lick slash solo and we discuss it. Um, <laughs> so John, I'm going a little bit... Uh, so, John, when I sent this to you about half an hour ago, I was sure to include the message, I apologize in advance, um, oh, because, well... I'm so afraid. Let's just, I'm so afraid. Let's just listen, shall we? <laughs> oh, God. It's going to be Britney Spears or something, isn't it? Yeah, same, same year. Oh, my gosh. Okay, here we go. Oh! Oh, my gosh. Okay, I'm going to take a deep breath. I'm not sure you and I can be friends anymore. Like, oh, John, why you got to be that way? Why you got to do me like that? Uh, How very unsweet yeah. of you. So this is obviously Tom Petty, Don't Do Me Like That. Oh, oh uh, don't, don't, don't go there. Okay. <laughs> no, so, I, okay. Yes, Santana in his revival album, uh, Supernatural. I believe this was the first single off of that album. Featuring Rob Thomas, then of Matchbox 20 fame. I want to push you around, and I will. Right. Okay, I will. Okay, <laughs> okay, okay. So and the song few... is obviously smooth. Yes, it's very smooth. So here is why I picked that. So I, I was you just hate thinking... me. <laughs> well, I don't I hate you per se. I think that it's a, a, a kind of an oddity of a song in that it was. I know, like, it was released in October 99, but it was like the late Indian summer jam of that year. Mm -hmm. And it was, I think it hit number three here, but, you know, number one all over the world. uh, One of the biggest selling singles of all time when people still bought music. Just, Just a massive, massive song. And I was thinking, could I think of, apart from maybe Smells Like Teen Spirit, of a chart topping single 
with as identifiable a guitar riff within the last 20 to 30 years. I, I just, Fair you play. can tell, you can tell from the, the like, the, even, not even the riff, you can tell from that snare drum in, intro, like, yep. this is what I'm, this is what I'm in for for the next four minutes. <laughs> um, I just, the vocals on that song, I mean, no wonder it has become a beautiful meme, much like Smash Mets All-Star. It is just, it's, it's ridiculous. It's so over the top, the lyrics are ridiculous, but I just, that, okay, it's, it's a classic Santana-esque, Santana, Aeolian, I want to say, like harmonic minor sort of. I think it's just pentatonic, if I remember correctly. I might be wrong, but. Because I know know that like Santana does like to get modal. He he likes the Dorian in, you know, he likes to spice things up. But yeah, so I, I, I haven't, I've never really learned this. I just don't really see the point because I'm never going to be playing in like a samba funk band. Um, thankfully, well, you know, not with that attitude. Or a wedding band so in the late 90s, early 2000s. That's it. Uh, <laughs> imagine if I went back in time like Marty McFly style and wrote this in, instead of <laughs> Johnny Be Good. Um, your kids are going to love it. Um, so, yeah. So, John, what do you think of this, this particular lick? Okay. Uh, yeah, it is. It is just an a minor pentatonic it's it's what i santana has made his career on i think so there's a lot of things like fair play to you for picking for picking something that is so recognizable it is a good it it is an epic guitar tune i've taught this a handful of times and every time like there's i i kind of have to grit my teeth and i think part of that is just the fact that i have had to listen to it and play it so many times Um, and if something like this, I think, I think if I had grown up as a seventies or eighties guitar kid and in 1999 had heard this come on the radio, you know, I'd be in my whatever late twenties, early thirties and been like, you know what? It's Santana. Good on him. It sounds good. It's a catchy little lick, but he just kind of noodles the entire song. And which is typical Santana. So um, that said, there are some things I'll go ahead and pick out that I do think he does very well. You know me, I'm always going to try to like, even uh, I'm always going to try to put a positive spin on something, even Kirk Hammett. Well, maybe not Kirk Hammett, but um, his, his control with his bends and his vibrato is spot on every single time. Even if, he's a little noodly his phrasing is still very lyrical he's he has the ability even in the midst of his noodling to kind of put in some good things he's good at those improvised phrases and really closing them off it's not sort of the ingve noodling with it just kind of runs on up and down the fretboard in these harmonic minor things it's it it's much more uh i would say maybe for lack of a better better term like verbal okay yeah no i like that that's that's a good way of putting it as well i i have mentioned numerous times on the show before how much i like guitar phrasing that just sticks in your head in terms of like hummability mm-hmm. and this is definitely one that everybody is a guitar part that everybody can hum 
It's that, you know, everybody knows it. Um, but yes, the solo towards the end is just Santana is just throwing in all of his boxes of tricks, his, you know, all of his tricks from the box. And yeah. yeah, but we have to remember that this was like, you know, this is such a musical comeback in terms of a guy that played at Woodstock. You know, right. it it's it was like who saw this coming? Yeah, um, it's literally thirty years later, and particularly his his other albums at this point. You know, were I, I think the last one before this might have been mid eighties. So I, I think it had been ten or fifteen years, honestly. Yeah. Um, it's, it- I don't know. Santana I'm just is just looking it up here. It's it's been, you know. Uh, let's see. So Supernatural, like you said, came out in '99, and yeah. yeah, when would have been the last album before that? Okay, so I mean, the last album actually was not. I mean, it was seven years before that. It was '92, and then '90. So His grunge he album. released a bunch of albums. Some of them were live albums in the 80s, but nobody really remembers those, right? I don't know. I feel that that sort of genre is very much, it probably has, what would you call it, like Latin fusion almost? I'd say it has like a real core following. And, you know, Mm -hmm. as a Latin American artist, it is very impressive to see someone, you know, break through like that with their own signature style. But yeah, in terms of like... trying to do something different with it yeah i there's only so far you can go i'm not going to compare it to ska but you know yeah <laughs> it's not and let's let's not go there um yeah yeah sweet okay Save cool that's a podcast yeah that's it yeah our ska podcast um so that's that, that, that that's smooth and let's never talk about it again um, <laughs> it's gonna throw a little side note if you go on spotify if you're like what am I going to play at my, my, my party? All my friends are coming over and you don't know what to put on. There are like various playlists on Spotify that are just songs, like hit songs from just the year 1999. And man, it is just banger after banger. Maybe it's just a nostalgia thing. But if you're looking, if you're looking for an hour of music, you do a lot worse. So now on to our interview, the Santana part of the show is over. Um, so John, I approach you. Yeah, so John, were you aware of Eric's work before uh, I brought him up, or did I show him to you? Yeah, you introduced him to me. I yeah. was not aware of him before that, so I think that was it was kind of oh, okay, let me check this out and some super cool stuff. His the way he does covers, I love it. It's great. Yeah, it's great, and uh, what he does is. Well, we discussed it in the interview, but essentially what he does is he's a very, he approaches songs from a way of like, you can do this in this style. And he basically breaks down techniques, but through popular songs in a really accessible way. And uh, he throws some theory in there, but it's such a, it's, it's, it's such a nice and chill way to learn guitar. And you don't find yourself like rewinding stuff or pausing or having to slow anything down. It just moves at a really nice leisurely pace and yeah so that that's uh, anything else you'd like to say before we uh play our little interview that we recorded earlier this week no i don't think so i think there's a few things i want to touch on after the fact but let's go ahead and jump into it yeah begin i'm just curious is the video going to be on the podcast or is it just audio only 
audio. Just audio. Okay, so I don't have to worry about what I. <laughs> I think it, in these in these quarantine times, we are all very much like it's a sweatpants kind of. Yeah, it's fine. Okay, good. Yeah, <laughs> sweatpants kind of mentality. So uh, we are we are here with Eric Haugen. Um, Eric, welcome to the show. Thanks very much for being here. Thanks for having me, guys. Great. So um, so I discovered you on YouTube. Uh, I'd say probably over a year ago, um, just the, the kind of things that you were doing was really different to the, I suppose, shred-oriented guitar teaching that's out there. Um, and I, I remember doing a real deep dive on your videos. I'd say it was November last year. I was playing as part of a Tom Waits tribute night, and you had some unreal Mark Rippo-like tutorials breaking down what he does. Mm -hmm. And it was, um, I thought that was really great. And I, I just looked into what you're doing, and you've got, you know, the, the Hendrix, Mark Knopfler-influenced, you know, takes on pop songs. You've got, you know, your recommended warm-ups. Um, could you tell, I mean, apart from that introduction, could you tell our listeners who aren't aware of what you do a little bit about who you are and, uh, you know, why you picked up the guitar? All right. Um, well, I guess my whole thing with teaching is um, I am a music school grad, but something happened to me when I went to music school where the more I studied, the more primitive I got. Um, so it was this strange thing that, that happened to me, like up to a certain point, I was really, you know, I was seeing how many scales I could play, how, how fast I could go setting the metronome, but like, I always just really loved songs and, um, Bob Dylan, Tom Waits, Leonard Cohen, Nick Cave, Paul Simon, like all these classic songwriters. That was really my thing. I do love guitar, but more than even guitar, I love just music, production, songs, everything around it, basically. And for me, guitar is really just the portal into that. Yeah. Um, and so on my YouTube channel, like even if I'm gonna teach a song, uh, like, okay, we'll talk about randomly, Eagles Take It to the Limit, a beautiful song, just a masterpiece of construction. It, it wouldn't be as interesting to me to just do a, like, here's the chords, here's the notes, there you go, let me feed it to you. I was like, but what if War on Drugs did a version of this song? <laughs> what would that become? Like, what are the principles of Adam Granduciel's guitar tone and how that band arranges things and, and how they do it? Okay, there's that over there. And then what is, okay, and then what's the melody and the structure? Okay, now how do I put those two together? It's agree, agreeably, it's a pretty nerdy thing to do, but my channel is aimed at people who are already playing a lot. So I've, I'm like, I'm not gonna worry about beginners. I'm gonna worry about all the people out there who are like, I can play bar chords. I can play several positions of pentatonic. And then now what? Yeah, so that, that's where my aim. I was like, there's tons of great teachers for beginners. Marty, Justin Guitar, Papa Stash, like any of the really big people, they'll get you started. And I was like, yeah. well, that no need to, to try to do that. I'll just, and, and it's fun for me because then I'm just going to do what I think is interesting and hopefully trick people into clicking on it. Um, <laughs> through clever titling, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so yeah. It worked on it, us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's working. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, it's great. Um, that's great. I think that's that approach too, because, you know, I, I write songs and I, I kind of have that, I'm in the middle of that Venn diagram as well, where I love both guitars and, and songwriting. And the way that you structure your videos is, is, is super interesting. Um, so I, I suppose like you're more interested in the unconventional guitar players 
I mean, what is it about a guitar player that sticks out to you in terms of like doing a, a breakdown or an analysis? Well, for me, um, and this, like a lot of my wisdom comes from my, my buddy, Frank, who's a 68 year old ex hippie jazz drummer and, and teacher, and he teaches next to me in my office. And so he always lays these like, when I imagine the dude from the Big Lebowski when I talk about Frank, if that helps your brain. So he'll, he'll come in and be like, man, it's like you can learn songs or you can learn the instrument. Um, and so I always think about that. And then the other thing that, that we often talk about when we're chatting between lessons is, is that like I always have the goal in mind and the utmost respect for musicians who they could play three notes and you immediately know who it is. Like mm -hmm. that to me is yes. so cool. Like that, that, you know, Mark Rabot, for example, you can recognize him in a phrase, Dave, any of the people I study, I'm like, you could hear three seconds of them and you go, yep, I know who that is. The weird thing about that is you can't contrive to do that on your own. We all just hope <laughs> through our practice and through what we do that we magically become original because if you contrive to be original, not original. Uh, <laughs> it's a real, a real, a real thing. So like I was always drawn to A, people who are original like that and B, people who don't make it sound easy because I am not inherently fast. I'm actually inherently clumsy. Um, like anything I execute that is smooth is many hours of work for me, many hours or weeks <laughs> or months of work um, because it's just there, my hands aren't, you know, and then we all know, well, you've interviewed people on this podcast who they're very far the opposite. They're, they're, their motor functions, their finger dexterity, that stuff is off the charts. Stuff is easy for them. Now, I like to listen to them. I don't try to emulate them because <laughs> I right. just don't want to be able to. So then I was like, again, like, well, that's cool. You don't need to be the fastest. You don't need to have the stretchiest hands or know the most inversions because there's all this other stuff going on that we're talking, you know, there's, there's that quality of like, how much heart and soul can you put into it? You know, and um, yeah, I truly believe that. And like, even my little tutorials, my little demos and warmups, like, I don't know if it comes across, but I'm trying to play them with emotion. Like, I'm like, well, yeah, it's just a YouTube lesson, but I'm still gonna like play it like it's in a recording studio, and I'm trying to like really like sell the song. Um, so yeah, people, yeah, for me, it was always much more about personality and concept than it was ever about raw dexterity and um and uh yeah raw dexterity and athleticism i guess yeah yeah so when you're bringing in that concept how how do you help your students wrap their head around the idea of like i don't just need to know scales but like can i put emotion in those scales is that something that you find students struggle with or is that something they're usually like open to and ready to jump into well, yeah, you know, John, you teach too. So you know, <laughs> that is very hard to teach. It's very, you know, a very common complaint for a guitar teacher to hear is like, I know my scales, they don't sound good. I don't right. know. I can't play anything cool. And I, I kind of have to like, I kind of get close and I kind of like look over my glasses. <laughs> the notes are beautiful. Like just respect those notes. Like the, the, it's, it's right that. there in front of you. Like there's this guitar player thing. And honestly, this is true across all music that um, 
we feel that like, okay, I learned a new position of an, okay, we'll say Dorian, I don't know, a Dorian scale. Wow, this is cool. Now, if I only land it just right, like the sky is gonna open up and Jesus is gonna reach down and <laughs> high five me. Like, it's gonna be sick. Why isn't that happening? And I'm like, it's never gonna happen. Like even, you could right. ask any of these <laughs> heroes like, oh yeah, like, you know, do you know how awesome you are? They'd be like, I don't know, I, don't know, I just played some stuff. Like, I, you know, I just played some stuff on the yeah. record. I guess it worked out all right. Like I got the, the luxury of talking to Dave Rawlings at one point and yeah, he laid it on me. He was like, man, Eric, these iconic guitar parts that like people talk about, like the opening of Revelator. He's like, that wasn't the best thing I played that day. Like it just happened to fit with the rest <laughs> of the cake, and we were like, "That's good enough, yeah." And then it goes on into the world, and like people decide what its value is. So I try and explain to my students, like, if you're thinking about what you are not, and what you don't have, and what isn't happening, well, then you're sure as shit not paying attention to what's happening right in front of you. Yeah. Like, and you're not yeah. that. Like, just just play the notes. <laughs> just just. <laughs> like it's nice it sounds good um technically my my way that i actually work with that is i always put everything in the context of if you've learned a scale you should see what the chord shape is that that overlaps with it so yes. that you understand right. the context and uh the subtext context if those are the two words but it's always that's how i always work with people and you can see it in my videos i'm always like here's this run here's the chord that it goes with here's this it connects to this because I can't personally remember um, a scale chart, like dots on a fretboard, like right. in, in my eyes, just right out, it's gone. Like if, but I can, if I attach it to like, oh, that's the one that goes with the G shape in the eighth position, I can see that. Okay, yeah. got it. Um, so that's technically how I do that. That's, that's um, yeah, the technical side of how I do that as opposed to the philosophy philosophical philosophical there philosophical you <laughs> there you go yeah exactly so it, it also sounds like too i mean it's uh it's getting those students to get beyond the idea of let's say i think from what i've seen a lot of times guitar is kind of a mechanical thing it's like if i push this button then it will make this sound and yeah. your goal is to really get your students to get beyond the thought of like i just put my finger here and it's great it's yeah. it's more than that is that right that's absolutely true. Thanks for noticing. Because um, for me, <laughs> it's much more, I call it intentional playing, where like the mm -hmm. playing starts up here in the brain and you're like, okay, Eric just told me that if I play a major seventh chord, then he showed me a Lydian scale. Okay, so I'm going to now think about this and then, okay, I'm going to play this major seventh chord and then the Lydian scale okay and then i'm gonna reduce it to three notes and like have that you know that the, the sound is first up here because i know exactly what happens you will show a guitar student a scale grid you'll go here you go and they'll go okay done yeah like you didn't get it you didn't you didn't spend the time with it to your hand has to learn every and your ear has to pay attention to every little finger choreography that you're doing and what 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 it's a lot of if then if i put my fingers this way what happens now and it's just you got everybody not everybody some people have a very like because i teach a lot of adults a lot of adult professionals they're coming from these like 
engineering jobs, doctors, lawyers, um, people who are like professionals were like, it's like you do this and this is how it goes. And what's the most efficient way to do this, Eric, please. I need, I need the fast way. And you're like, it doesn't work like that. You can't rush yeah. it. You know, it's, you gotta sit around and really listen to it and, and, and spend the time to just like sit there with it. There's yeah. Cause a lot of people, one of a very common question, which I'm sure you guys get to is what should I be practicing? What's the most efficient way I can practice? <laughs> it's really accumulated running total of hours spent tinkering with the instrument in a thoughtful way um yeah but obviously we give them tips we say well work on this work on this but yeah we all know it's, <laughs> you gotta spend a lot of time with it and like really engage with it right i think that's a big thing too that's an interesting thing that you bring up just because it's uh obviously and probably a lot of people that listen to this are you know you those professionals you just described and really, I, I like the idea of tinkering. It's almost more like think of yourself as a Thomas Edison type. If you're an engineer, think of like Thomas Edison tweaking that light bulb 100,000 times in order to get it to sound the way you want, as opposed to, I'm just going to plug in the formula and go. Yeah, because and, and that's, you know, I know because I did that, you know, for, for years when I was a teenager, you know, I mean, we, I, we mentioned in the thing, but yeah, Ron Thal, Bumblefoot was my first guitar teacher. And I remember being like 14 and him showing me the modes and I was like, awesome, this is so cool. And like, you know, seeing how fast I could play them. And it was like, I remember to this day then, like that weekend after learning my modes from Bumblefoot, um, going to band practice and like, you know, doing some jam over, I think it was probably like House of the Rising Sun, I threw a Mixolydian on it. All of us sitting in this room know exactly how bad that would sound. I learned immediately like, oh, a scale isn't just a cool scale as a cool scale. There's a whole context here like that it can't, can't play a Mixolydian over House of the Rising. Well, you can, but it'll sound not very good. It was, I remember it to this day. <laughs> like oh 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 why i worked so hard to play this fast and it just yeah. doesn't work <laughs> and so i and I, like it's funny i don't remember asking him about it i think i figured it out on my own i had to like go back and like be like oh because that's really that key and that's oh doesn't line up okay i get it yeah but um yeah that's that that thing of like yeah we just go get so excited to get the information and just not take the time to, to really listen to it, to see what we can do with it. So obviously you've done virtual lesson stuff for a while, but now yeah. everything's virtual right now. So in the middle of quarantine. So Way what's... to date this podcast, John. I'm just doing like a Tiger King reference or something. Come oh, on. yeah, right. <laughs> um, Sorry, I continue. Yeah, but the uh, the... How has that changed for you? I mean, in terms of how you teach, what you teach, because uh, I'll say from my own personal experience, it feels like I'm doing a lot more of almost entertaining. And then on top of that, like you said, information dump, like there's a lot more, I'm just kind of like, here's a PDF, practice that and I'll see you next week. You know, yeah. that's it. there seems to be more of that than there normally would be. Um, and then kind of talking through people. And we talked before we actually started about the lag and how difficult it is to count unnatural. with your student. So how have... The three second audio lag makes it so that it is a very unnatural interaction. That, that like it's, it, it's, you know, I'm sure 
10 years from now, scientists, sociologists, anthropologists are going to talk about this time period in history, uh, you know, um, of like, oh man, yeah, this is, the, you know, this is why this is strange. So the audio lag obviously prevents um, you from being able to play with your student. You know, you can never be like, all right, I'm just going to loop these three chords, listen to what that's guilt, you know, that's out the window. Um, the thing that you were talking about, sending PDFs, even that, I quickly discovered a lot of my in-person students, because I have online students who are the intermediate and advanced people from all mm -hmm. over the world. And that's cool. They found me through YouTube and they want to study with me. But I've also been in Chapel Hill, North Carolina for like 17 years. So I have like, you know, uh, you know, little Jeffrey, who's nine years old and, you know, and is, is you know, nine, you know, a beginner. <laughs> yeah. so those people too. You have little Sage and, and, you know, she's 13 and she's, she's kicking ass. Um, so like you have, kids now who are used to i didn't realize how much in person they were just watching my fingers when mm -hmm. they were indicating that you put an actual document in front of them i had to get really good at using screen share technology and big app <laughs> like look over here look, look look up here can you see me into this note here so it i got quick with it i was like okay and i i had to like quickly reassess like okay these the younger kids who are more on the beginner side of things with with PDFs and documents, like I was trying to teach them Pink Floyd's Wish You Were Here. It's like, this is a classic thing for kids. Yeah. Everybody should know this. You get a high quality PDF of that, it baffles a child's mind because right. to look at a guitar strumming, it shows every single time uh, David Gilmore's pick brushed a string or even looked at a string it's on there and they they're this generation of kids is so visually locked into screens in front of them you it's a really and i'm probably gonna have to do a video lesson on this on how you take a piece of music a pdf or a, a tab and like you don't just lock your eyes on it and and go through it you go through it and then you step back and go okay I see the shapes, I see the rhythms. Now I need to go ahead and like make this back into music because that skill is, is harder for kids. It's harder for them to understand like, no, I'm not telling you to just do this assignment. I'm telling you to make this assignment into music again. Um, and <laughs> if you guys tell me how to do that, I'd appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> I We've been do, doing I this mean... for like three years. I wish we could tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's it's interesting you talk about making music with it you know we know that you've done a lot of stuff like with John Frusciante type stuff and covers like how Stevie Ray Vaughan or Jimi Hendrix would do do this particular song yeah. or something like that yeah. um, and even as you mentioned David Gilmore and all these crazy things I'd, I'd like your take on when you're reading those rhythms how accurate do you feel you need to be when you're re when you're going through and learning a song or how much of it is this is just this guy's right hand going crazy and you just need to get the feel of the song more importantly than like, well, it's an upstroke on the E of the third beat and a downstroke on the three strings right. of the, uh, on the fourth beat, like that stuff. Yeah. It's like, and that I totally recognize that that is a skill that comes from learning thousands of songs. That's the hard part of it. Like, cause yeah, I can look at a tab and quickly grace through it and be like, all right, that chord, that chord, that chord. I need that little line there. I need that. I need that. Boom, done. I'm off. But teaching that, um, I don't, I don't have a great way to teach that. So basically I've had to like really focus hard on like, 
we're not doing that stuff now. <laughs> we're doing like Carter style stuff or stuff that's very clear. Like I've been teaching sleepwalk to like the younger kids because like that's very clear. Here's the chords, here's the melody, play this exactly how it is. Just, just, just do that, it'll be all right. Um, or doing just the opposite. Here's the strum pattern, here's the chord, do that. Because yeah, you know, it's, it's one of those things of, of how, how, you know, there's no, I don't think there's a hard rule for how you take somebody, something that's pretty exact and decide how unexact you're going to do it. Um, with lead guitar, we, you know, I always try to first see if how exact I can get it, how note for note I can get it. And then after a couple of weeks of working with some kind of solo, I'll be like, all right, I never, I'm not gonna get this passage. I'm not gonna get that passage. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna adjust them a little bit and, and make them my own. Like I, you know, great example. Uh, you know, I used to, I haven't warmed up with it for a while, but I used to always warm up with Jimmy Page's solo to the opening solo to Since I've Been Loving You. You know, there's, there's some brilliant phrases in that. And then there's also some Jimmy Page like gibberish. Um, he was trying to show you how many notes he could put out there it was kind of part of his thing in that time period so like first I tried to get all that and then I was like all right I've spent I spent about a month working on this I'm gonna go ahead and get rid of that get rid of that, get rid of that. <laughs> and then make then I can warm up with it and then feel like I can be fully comfortable and confident with it because I hit the big shapes and the big melodies and then I I just cut out the stuff that I'm like I can't can't do that and and, and again audience isn't going to care N you know nobody's going to notice um except I remember one time I was because I teach next to a music store I was playing that I was you know just warming up with it <laughs> and the music store owner my friend Jim imagine Michael Scott from The Office like he will just always say the wrong thing but he wants everybody <laughs> to like him he was like You're clean <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's amazing. All right, Jim. And then like 10 minutes, later, like, I mean, I'm sorry. It sounded really good. <laughs> but yeah, like, cause of, yeah, with, with stuff like that, I mean, uh, Jimmy Page to me, I love Jimmy Page. I love Led Zeppelin, but he, I always tell people, don't study him. Don't try and play like Jimmy Page. In fact, I eternally want to make a video that, that will probably just get trolled to the end of it. <laughs> I would love to make a video that's, that's titled, Stop Trying to Play Like Stevie Ray Vaughan. Because yes. like everybody aiming, again, this gets back to that other thing of looking elsewhere, looking for those awesome licks, looking for all this otherness that you don't have, the things you don't have, you're completely ignoring what you do have. Um, and yet people fixate on guitar heroes and get really upset that they don't sound like they're guitar heroes when like they might sound really cool on their own. It's just, they just, you just lock in on like what, what you don't have. and that's just, you know, any, any, any therapist would say that's just a formula for depression. <laughs> it is. And I think it's something that people need to keep in mind a bit more about why they're doing what they're doing. Is it to learn the wow run from Sweet Child of Mine or is it to like have some fun with the instrument? Um, class, uh, that was, you know, that's some great stuff here. Um, so just, I suppose when it comes to like, your YouTube videos, one of the big comments that I see is like, there's a very much a eureka moment in terms of, I didn't understand this for the last 15 years and there's something in your video that will just make it, I suppose it's, it's the way that you break down music theory. Mm -hmm. um, are, are there any kind of recurring patterns that you get out of teaching that it's like you explain something and it's like, oh, I get it now. Are there like very common 
patterns in terms of the way you explain something sorry am i being clear um let's see like yeah it's weird because music theory i think that music theory is very simple and makes very good sense um oh i see yeah we have a time meter on because yeah it's yeah. okay <laughs> yes um, got us in trouble before <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah um that like for me music theory is really nothing more than a cookbook like i try mm. to explain it like that like combine this with this yields this result this with this you get this result um i try you know just and music theory is one of those things where again you know when you go to music school and you know you have a degree in it it's very tempting to to use all the jargon in the world and intimidate people as much as possible you know talking about your diatonic dyads in you know f sharp uh locrian like but like <laughs> you don't need to you, you know it's like so i very consciously I'm like i don't need, you know i try to give you know, at my core, I'm a very non-pretentious straight shooter. Just, I, I try to just be efficient and real and just like, well, here's how I see this thing. Um, you know, so I always, music theory like that is for me. And it's very hard balance to walk with YouTube because you want to give people information, but you don't want to digress for any amount of time because their finger is sitting on that mouse waiting to right just there. Yeah. So, and you have to pretend that you're relaxed about that. Um, so that, that, you know, Oh, it's a very calming channel. You seem so relaxed like Bob Ross. I'm like, well, I am, but I'm also very much aware that I need to keep it moving um, and, and not wander around and waste people's time. And so like, I go, I have kind of, you see, yeah, you pointed out, I do two things. I have the recommended warm-up type things where that's when I'll really just take something small. Like, and, and that's aiming, a, you know, I try and engineer those so they're hitting those people who are early intermediates, but like make them interesting enough that they're interesting for me also. Um, so it's like, well, you know, I think the last one I did was like, you know, uh, three positions of pentatonic minor with like Dave Gilmore tone. And, you know, I had to put it in some kind of context. So I was like, well, let me kind of pull in this kind of psychedelic rock feel just to, cause that helps people to hear what a thing can become. If you're like, I'm not just going to dry track, just, play some scales and we'll be like, what if this was part of a song? This was the intro to a song and it works. It, people can hear like, oh, that's pretty cool. I'm going to click on that. I'm going to watch that. I'm going to learn from that. So those, I, those recommended warm-ups are usually like these little ideas that like, you know, sixes, chromatic sixes. Do, do, we, do you guys, you know, you know how to use them, but I mean like some other people don't. All right, there's going to be a little warm-up on that. The other videos are more expansive where I'm going to take an entire song and arrange it in someone's style. Those, that's a lot of brain power going on to choose yeah. all that, make all those decisions. And so sometimes there's little wisdoms in those or oftentimes there is, but that's not necessarily the goal with those. Those are kind of just cause they're fun for me and they get to showcase my taste in music, which I think is unique for um, somebody with a music degree. There's basically on YouTube, there's like me and um, Adrian at Anyone Can Play Guitar in the UK. You should have him on here, by the way. He's a sweet guy um, who also does weird indie uh, left field stuff. I could be wrong. There, there must be other people too. It's just I know that, that it's not a common thing for someone with a music degree um, 
to be purposely so simple and kind of barbaric about things. I think it's really refreshing. Um, I mean, it, like the other day you kind of broke down what Johnny Marr was doing in March to the Sea. It was one of the last videos I watched and I'm like, I forgot how good this is, you know, because it's not, it's, it's just in terms of like, you know, it's Johnny Marr, he's a legend, but breaking down what he's doing and showing why he's so good in an indie capacity, as opposed to here's why Ingve is amazing. It's, it's kind of, it's, it's really cool and really refreshing. And th thank you for like making this content because it is personally, it's right up my alley. Awesome. Um, so, so we have a, a few minutes left. Um, and I just wanted to, to ask you, where did you find the beautiful Jaguar? Oh, um, the Mustang? Mustang, sorry, yeah, it's a Mustang, it, the, the beautiful wood finish. So, ah. this, my older brother, who's a musician too, he's, but now he's an architect in Nashville, he actually bought this off of a dude in another band in high school for 350 bucks. It was spray painted right. black um, when he bought <laughs> it. And then um, when he went off to college, he just left it behind. And um, so I, you know, it became mine. And uh, when I was 19, I was painting houses for a living and was getting really cocky about my, like, <laughs> refinishing abilities. So I stripped it with methylene chloride. Um, that's one coat of Minwax red mahogany on there. And then literally, I don't know if you can see the brush yeah. marks in the finish. Wow. I brushed on polyurethane because <laughs> I was like, whatever. Uh, and then I was like, uh... Uh, looks, I don't know. Uh, it didn't come out good, so I started sanding it again. That's what that is. That's not real wear. Uh, it looks just, great. I was about to take the finish off again, and like I sanded it for a minute, and I was like, "Wait a second, never mind. It's done." Um, but yeah, this thing—the back looks terrible, by the way. I don't know if you can see the back. Is awful. <laughs> um, Secret shame. Yeah, yeah. This thing, yeah. I mean, it's been with me since I was what fifteen, I guess. Um, so you know, it's refretted. Um, these pickups aren't original, the tuners aren't original, but uh, it's a guitar I know better than all others. Um, and it definitely has a unique sound. Uh, it's not a Strat, it's not a Tele. Um, it's close to those things, of course. If I, in a pinch, I can do songs that I would do on a Strat or songs that I would do on a Telecaster on it. But um, and of course, you know, it's got that Kurt Cobain, Blixabarg held. Uh, yeah. Who else used one of these? I don't know who else, who else famous uses. Oh, John Frusciante would use a Mustang sometimes. Um, it definitely has indie appeal, and yes, they're affordable. You know, you could still get one of these for like a thousand dollars. They're not insane, um, as opposed to you know a vintage Tele or Strat, going to be way more expensive. Um, and yeah, I mean the the neck on this thing is just completely beautifully worn through. The finish is at this point is just my my hand oils. <laughs> back in the neck um yeah that yeah this is definitely my number one um if 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 yeah it's weird though e even though it's my number one i i'm not you know absurdly sentimental if my house burned down i would be sad to lose it but i don't know kind of i don't know i'm trying to be zen about things man yeah, i was about to say how very zen of you <laughs> hey, man, it's just possessions man <laughs> can you take it with you um sweet so eric thank you so much for being with us today we just got about a minute or two left um so for people who want to find you um it's it's erichaugen.com uh erichaugenguitar.com is a website and i think the youtube channel is just my name eric haugen yeah 
and and uh, I'm on Instagram too, Eric Haugen Guitar. I think those are the main ways that I engage with the world uh, right now <laughs> is through our screens. Um, but yeah, that's where they can find me. And uh, yeah, I hope this helps your podcast. I hope the people who listen to it uh, get some uh, wisdom from it. Uh, if, if, if I have any, I think I do, maybe, don't know. Brilliant. Thanks a million, man. Keep doing what you're doing. Really appreciate it. You make great content. Running out. Yeah. See ya. Stay safe. Uh, Thanks again, Eric, for being on the show. That was was fantastic. Really enjoyed that. Yes. That was one of the few... We've done a lot of interviews over the last few years, but one of them were when, like, I came on Zoom and you and Eric were on Zoom. I was like, I almost squealed a little bit because he's one of my favorite guitar players slash teachers on YouTube. And yeah, it was a real personal privilege to, to have him on the show after looking at his work for the phones of the last year. So sweet. So hope you, uh, John, any main takeaways from that particular interview? Yeah, he was so chill. I, I definitely appreciate that too. And, but had really thought about like the way he approached teaching. I thought that was really cool. And mm. the fact that he realizes really his stuff is designed for that intermediate player. Like you said, there's tons of great beginner guitar people out there. You know, he's trying to take it to the next level. And I I think that's, that's a really good way to think about your, your approach to the instrument, kind of where you are and what you need to take you that next step if, and realizing that there's always a next step as well. Yeah. So super personable and just his philosophy on an approach to the instrument to, to get you to know where you are on the fretboard and, and map things out. Super helpful, super helpful. Yeah. I'm a big proponent of that as well. I think, yeah, and what really shines through to me when, I, when he talks about the guitar is just how enjoyable the process should be in terms of how like people can get bogged down that they're not fast enough or that they don't know enough. And he's really not, that's really not what he's about. He's very much, enjoy it enjoy the process don't compare yourself to other people and what he mentioned in the interview there was you know your favorite players weren't really trying to they weren't beating themselves up over not knowing stuff they were just doing their own thing and finding their own voice and I think that's something that might be a little bit overlooked in terms of especially modern guitar playing when we're constantly comparing players to each other yeah well yeah especially when you're trying to to find your own voice um and a lot of that there's no shortcut to that, you know, and he kind of hints on that. It's just a lot of trial and error and figuring out what works for you. What do you want to play? And there's certain things like for me that I enjoy playing from other people's style. But when I sit down with the instrument, like that's not my voice. When I just make something up, that's not who I am. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm not Bernd Brotega by any means. Um, <laughs> Our boy. And yeah. Dude, but if you want to learn how to shred, definitely check him out. We'll name drop for him. I don't mind. But Eric, Eric's approach to that of just taking, taking the time to discover your voice, trial and error, and realizing that there is not really, there's not a shortcut. There is, there, it's, it's a lot of work to get your technique up to speed. And there are some practice tools and tips that you can do to maximize your time and your effort. But when it comes to finding your voice as a player, it's a lot of trial and error. It's a lot of finding your way around the fretboard and figuring out what works for your 
your voice really and what works for your fingers even depending on you know I still think back and I talk about it a lot with my students when we interviewed Neely Brosh she said like you know her hand just isn't as big so she has to hmm. find a different way to play and I think Eric's advice there too really applies just find your voice find the thing that works for you whether it's you know the, the way you hear things in your head or whether it's a physical thing the way you play you know yeah, man, that's, I think, yeah, you're covering a lot of ground there, but yeah, I, I think it's it's something that we don't really discuss enough of, I suppose, in terms of like, he, he, he knows what he wants to sound like, and, you know, he really it, admires those players and shines a light on those players that really have their own uh, original voice from like Ry Cooter to David Gilmore, um, who aren't the fastest guys in the world, but can just really make every note sing. So yeah, thanks, oh Eric. Gosh, we yeah. We appreciate it. Um, making coming back to you know actual guitar playing, John. What have you been working on? Uh, so recently, I don't remember when we talked about it, but I, I started doing my like riff a day thing. Oh yes. So oh that's, yeah. That's that's been kind of my my goal. I'll do do one riff, and I'm not even trying to bring them all up to full speed. It, but it's just kind of fun to go, oh okay, how fast can I push this? And I take I don't know ten, maybe fifteen minutes on it and then review the other ones that I've been working on. So uh, currently I've got a list of 10 riffs and just kind of work, trying to work through one a day cool. and to see where that, where that puts me. And a lot of it's not, not super difficult stuff. Um, at least when you slow it down, it's not super difficult. And it's just uh, maybe a measure, maybe two. That's it, you know? Sweet. But yeah. That's that's been kind of my big project. It's fun. Any so. examples that you'd like to share? Uh, so let's see. Yesterday I worked on the intro guitar riff for Panic Attack by Dream Theater. <laughs> so I was like, these are gonna uh, be proggy. Oh yeah, so it's it's all like because last time, you know, I mentioned it kind of got me thinking after Master of Puppets, and I was like, well, what other metal riffs? do I want to learn that I've just never took the time to learn? So there's some stuff from Unleash the Archers, like uh, 10,000 against one. It's just, you know, over the top, ridiculous metal stuff. Um, uh, one of them though, Song for Wesley, which is another tune I've talked about, but there's a couple of riffs in there that I just wanted to pull out. It's a gypsy jazz tune written by Jimmy Rosenberg. Oh yes, and you've talked about him before. That's been, yeah, that one's a little bit different than a lot of the other like prog and power metal stuff that's on this list. And then there's a couple of uh, there's a couple of licks from Autumn Leaves specifically in Joe Pass's version that I was like, you know what, that's just tasty. How does he do that and break it down? So nice. There's a lot there of stuff there. A lot of little recommendations there from a seasoned guitar player for listeners to chew on. And yeah, <laughs> nice, nice what stuff there. What about you, man? What's what's new and exciting so uh if people check me out on instagram as in check out my content not my rapidly deteriorating body um i uh, have been doing a yeah um, a i did a segment there for a week like a day every second day i would post a video in which i have transcribed and perform um a a Carly Rae Jepsen song in which I call Guitarly Rae Jepsen and I did six songs 
six songs in total, I think. Um, but it was basically a test for me to figure out chords. And it's just me playing the vocal melodies. But it, it was like using bends and harmonics and kind of, it was forcing me to transcribe stuff by ear and figure out a, the best way to make it sound good and pretty on a guitar. And yeah, it was fun. Like it was, it was good. It was actually like, it, it, it took from listening and shooting and you know listening and transcribing and then shooting the video it took like an hour every day of but it was it was time well spent i think because it was just a fun thing to do and it kind of took me out of my comfort zone a little bit because there was a lot of stuff that would be in awkward keys that i wouldn't normally be used to playing in and just you know it forced me to get a little bit creative of how i wanted the songs to come out so that was taking up my, my time there for a while. And yeah, apart from that, I mean, I've been really getting into recording. I've been taking old songs and demoing them with, um, uh, as you would call garage band, I would call it garage band. And- uh, Oh, Mr. Lottie the <laughs> Frenchman. Mr. Frenchman, Carhole. Um, so, <laughs> Carhole band. Um, so yeah, it's so that's been fun. I, I gotta say, man, I. Garage band doesn't get enough credit in terms of a DAW system or a DAW. Um, it, the amount of effects and amps and you know presets available there, like it's it's so good in um, in terms of like a selection, and you can tweak everything. You can tweak like where the mic is in position with the amp. Like you can move, you can you everything is so customizable. It's a bit of a rabbit hole. So I have been very you know trying to get presets and tweak like little digital delay pedals but it's been fun but like it is a time suck um but no so i've just been doing that and like experimenting with like panning and you know um stereo imaging and you know kind of broadening my horizons that way which has been a very steep learning curve with a lot of mistakes but it's been good because in terms of writing music uh, so many of us are just really brain dead right now because everything is just terrible <laughs> um <laughs> But speaking of things that aren't terrible, have you been listening to anything apart from the uh, riffs you've Yeah, been so thanks to Spotify emailing me, I am now aware of new music by Tommy Emmanuel, which is always good. He's back. So Yeah, well, he released a little single there called Luttrell, which has been just, it's, I mean, it's Tommy Emmanuel. It's fantastic. Yeah. So, you know, um, just a nice little single there and it's been it's been good to just have a listen and also another band which i have mentioned before but it's been a really long time i haven't said said anything about them is a uh, fox capture plan they're kind oh. of a jazzy fusiony kind of deal uh they just came out with some new stuff as well okay so yeah cool you, 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 with of, a band like that stuff. With a band name like that, you know they're good instrumentalists. You know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> They'd want exactly. to be. Exactly. Cool. Japanese. Unreal. Um yep. sweet. Yeah, I've been I've been in terms of guitar based music, I have I've I showed him to you yesterday in our Facebook group chat. Uh Josh Smith, who uh I wasn't that familiar with his work. He's like a blues guitar player um from the States and I remember when I was recording in the studio last 
last year with um, Dave Carey, who plays guitar with Van Morrison. Uh, he was like, oh yeah, I took the weekend off last weekend to go to Hamburg and see Josh Smith play because he's one of the best players in the world. And I was like, oh, really? I really must check him out. And good God, he released a live album there. I think it's live at Spuds or something. Um, and just the blues, it's just a blues trio. Like it's as it should be. And yeah. the band are incredible and yeah i just because i listened to some of his older stuff with the album and uh, with the albums and it's just it's it's kind of a bit too overproduced for me um but when mm-hmm. you strip it down and yeah oh even like his, his tones are incredible as, as well so yeah that i would highly recommend that the josh smith album, absolutely live album from this year and apart from that i <laughs> so i saw john are you familiar with the film that came out last year called yesterday yes Um, I'm not going to go into it but it's about a guy who wakes up in a world where the Beatles have never existed and so he takes all their songs and tries to pass them off as his own as we all would if we were in that situation and it is um, (laughs) it is no judgment here it is twee and it is corny and it is super 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 British but I uh, it really got me into like god I have to go back and listen to the Beatles for like because I haven't really gone back in a while um so that's been a lot of fun just kind of picking random albums and surprise surprise they're all great and um, apart from the Paul songs sorry just Paul's just just a bit too uh songs for your granny for me but yeah um so yeah so it's basically been Josh Smith and uh the Beatles with a little bit of the Goldberg sessions and uh, not Goldberg the wrestler by uh the the, the Bach you know, piano album um, for when I'm working, which is nice. Um, but oh, yeah, that's, that's yeah, that's it. Friends, we have a Patreon that we are launching very, very soon. Uh, John, do you want to give people a taste of what we've got on our Patreon? Or what we're planning? Oh, man. So yeah, there's a few things that we're doing. We're doing some exclusive interviews. We're going to be doing some extended interviews. We'll have, I think there's some lesson material we've got up there. What am I missing? Uh, bonus episodes that'll be coming out. So we're we're stepping up the content game, and we're offering more for our listeners there. Yeah. So yeah, we've been doing this podcast for I think it's like three years now, and you know we were like, why not just take it to the next level, take it to the limit, um, and see how far we can go before it breaks us both. Um, <laughs> doing an Eagles reference. I don't seriously. I don't even know you anymore. It's Santana. Oh, it's the Eagles. Who are you? <laughs> next, you're gonna be like, you're gonna come at me with a Queen song. I don't know. What oh to do. no. Not in this bloody podcast. Uh, so I'm trying to think if I could fit a reference in, but I've had a very long work day. No. Uh, so let's go. There you go. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> we are the champions of this podcast. And uh, if you would like to support us, we will be putting up our Patreon link uh, in the near future. We would love to hear uh, Patreon suggestions from you guys. Um, sharpen that axe at gmail.com. And we are hoping. Uh, that I have slightly more time on my hands than normal to revive our uh, social media profiles as well because they've been a bit neglected lately. But we'll we'll like a, like a neglected housewife. We'll try and win them back. And you, yeah. dear listener, uh, totally do uh, do check out our Instagram stuff too. So we also have a store up on Redbubble. Stay tuned for that. We may uh, we may be offering a few more things, t-shirts, etc. We do have mugs and a few few like odds and ends at the moment, but t-shirts should be coming shortly as well. 
yeah so yeah give what you can that'd be great if you can't afford to give no problem at all we we have fun doing this and we will continue to do so uh until corona kills us all yay yeah on that note <laughs> on that note stay safe and stay sharp everybody ta-ta